Hey, coming at you from our undisclosed location, this is Backwoods Theology. I know it's been a little bit since we've been able to record and come to you, but we are locked and loaded. The vault door is closed, and we are ready to uh, open our Bibles and come to you with some great, great thought-provoking ideas, and so today will be no exception. I'm here with my friends. Uh, we actually have a guest today in the studio, which I'm excited about. Uh, but beforehand, you have the the uh, the Mount Rushmore of Bible theology here in the room today. This, this is just what I can come up with. But uh, Josh and Chad, of course, are here, so say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Yes, hello. I knew that one of them would say that. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Come on, I'm coming with all this energy. Yes. Yeah. He is, man. You guys are a bunch of mop heads today. Come on. You a low energy candidate, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> yes, coffee and Mountain Dew is present, mm-hmm. just so that you know uh, where everybody's at today. But uh, we're grateful to be here and thankful. We're thankful to have our good friend with us today, Dalton Robertson. So say hello, Dalton. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. It's an honor to participate in the Backwoods Theology Podcast. We, we flew him up from Alabama just for this. Yes. Fantastic. It's a blessing. He was preaching in the area, preached for our church this past Wednesday night. Brother Dalt is just my good friend. We've been friends for a little over 10 years now, and just a blessing to me, just a great Bible preacher. And so he is here today, so we wanted to have him as a guest in our podcast today. So, right on. Yes. I'm thrilled. Yes. So uh, if you hear a real Southern accent... Uh, you know exactly who it is that's speaking. So. That's right. <laughs> I've been working on it for 56 years. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dalt. I know you're a singer, author, preacher. Just tell us a little bit about that. Well, let's see. I, um, I'm i from Alabama, moved to Arkansas as a kid. That's where my family got into church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Went to Fairview Baptist Church. My pastor is Don Lutrick. And it was great to my family. It was instrumental in our lives being changed there. And I went to Bible college from there. And I went to uh, Hiles Anderson in January of 85. And and then time marches on. That's where I met my wife. I was there for five years. Planted a church in Coleman, Alabama. And uh, Temple Baptist Church there. That was a good thing. and is. And Thankful for that experience, and I pastored in Florida for 15 years, and uh, now I'm pastoring in Moulton, Alabama, and uh, just preaching and doing the, doing the things we do. A lot of work with the Baptist History Preservation Society and the Ancient Baptist Journal, as you guys know, and you guys are also involved in, and uh, so now it's time to... I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm ready to be an old preacher. <laughs> <laughs> That pastor emeritus has sounded really good. Oh. <laughs> All kinds of honor and no responsibility. It sounded fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a conference that you you did last year too. Yeah, talk a little yeah, bit about your about preaching that. conference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, as independent Baptist, you know our some of our heritage, whether we. <sighs> Well, I won't get into all of that. Some of our heritage is, most of it is connected to what we would consider to be the movement of fundamentalism, you know, which came out of uh, evangelicalism's reaction or, um, I guess that'd be a good response to the German rationalism that infiltrated seminaries in America in the 
latter part of the 19th century, early part of the 20th century, and that upsurge of resistance became, in, in a rather natural way, I suppose, a react, a, a, an anti-intellectual movement. And uh, there was a lot of good in that, but then the ditch or the extreme thing is the preaching became philosophical, topical, crusading. Um, that's The scripture is, in our circles, is very often used to say what the preacher wants to say. It's a launching pad. And, and I'm an independent Baptist, so I'm, I'm, I'm criticizing from the inside. I love... Independent Baptist. I'm thankful for my 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 life as a as an independent Baptist. But our preaching has has not been good at times. And um, so I say that to say, in other circles out there in the world of conservative evangelicalism, they have these meetings that are designed to encourage continued education in the area of biblical slash expository preaching, which to me is is uh, redundant. But uh, that's that's another subject. Um, so we have a meeting that we I feel like there's a need to have a meeting where the nuts and bolts of preaching are discussed and the daily grind involved in sermon preparation and sermon delivery, and then also some encouraging challenges to uh, continue. And, um, and then a lot of fellowship. We sit at tables. We dress casually. We eat eat and drink coffee constantly and just <laughs> study the craft of preaching. And that's the uh, Expound Conference. It's the Expound uh, Workshop for Biblical Preaching is what it is. And that's uh, – we had Expound 22. We had about 15 or 16 preachers from seven states, which was kind of way better than I even thought. And this year, it appears that it'll be some better than that, if numbers mean better. But, you know, sometimes it does. You know, we, we want it to spread to some degree, of course. And uh, we have uh, James Knox coming this year. He will do some uh, teaching on uh, preaching. Uh, Jim Alter will be there and talk some about the history of the King James Bible, how we got it, and why it's trustworthy. And um, it's kind of silly to talk about preaching of a book that you don't believe. Mm. And so mm. we, we believe it. And then uh, uh, Brother Jeff, which we're set, would be a key part of this, were he not sick, right? Mm. So very sad about that. But uh, And then a lot of you guys are going to be bringing some charges and challenges. And now I've said too much. But it is a practical uh, – let, let me say this. This is probably the best thing about it. Everybody's sitting at tables, and so it's comfortable. And um, there's an, an endless supply of good coffee, soft drinks, and more little Debbie cakes than a small army can you know consume. So that's basically, if that doesn't make you want to go, I don't know what does. <laughs> uh, well, it's good to have Brother Dalt with us. Just a little bit more information. He co-authored the book, Why Baptist? And... Uh, I know many of you listening, you have that book, uh, but if you don't, you really need to pick that up. It's just a great book on understanding. Uh, understanding, I, I believe it's so well titled. You know, you ask most people, are you a Baptist? Yes. Why are you Baptist? And their answer will be, because I go to a Baptist church, right. and that will be their answer. Um, well, I go to the refrigerator uh, multiple times a day, and I'm not a gallon of milk. Mm. So, uh, so pick up that book, Why Baptist. It's a it's a great read. Uh, I also mentioned he has an amazing amount of musical talent in the family, and I, I don't mean just 
you know, they play in church now and then. Um, uh, Brother Dalt's children are insanely talented, have played at the Opry multiple, multiple, multiple times. In fact, your son-in-law played there last night. He did, yeah. And uh, just correct. incredibly talented family. I'm just grateful to have Brother Dalt as my friend, and I'm thankful he's in the studio with us today. It's, so, it's so fun. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Um, well, as we have before, we've had a guest from time to time. We typically allow the guest to choose our topic. So uh, this is whatever. We've had Brother Nathan Browning before. We've had Brother Scott Sandy before, uh, just as guests. Uh, Brother Nathan Nate Pelkey, Pelkey has yep. joined us, and I'm probably missing some, and I don't mean to. Um, but we usually let them choose the topic. So what have you been thinking about, Brother Dalt, studying, preached on lately? What would you like to talk about today? I would say that there is no dilemma that we face in church work, ministry work, uh, in our personal walk that is not, if not completely solved, at least uh, we're, we're set on the right track toward better things when we have a high view of God. Hmm. And that's you know genuine, authentic worship, not something that you schedule or something that is tied to a you know, a sensational song service. And as you mentioned, the music, I like music, and I'm not opposed to things that are sensational or emotional or appealing to the senses. I, I, that's all right. But it doesn't mean you had worship because you've been moved to tears about, hmm. you know, some emotional thing. Um, it, but worship in a high view of God is the essence of theology. And I think that it begins there, right? Otherwise, it becomes humanistic, <clears throat> and it's not hard for us to get in that lane quickly. So that would be my thought, a high view of God. High view of God. Well, <clears throat> you know, I would start off just by looking at our society today and their view of God. And I think perhaps in our churches, when we think of the term high view of God, well, as long as our view is higher than society... You know, it's the old, <laughs> yeah. if I want to justify myself, I just find someone that's a worse sinner than me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, but you look in society today, and really, I would use the term godless society uh, in which we live today. How important is it for we as the church to show a lost and a dying world uh, a high view of God? Guys, what do you think about that? Who's first? They're all looking at each other. Well, yeah. I just started reading, uh, working through a book. Um, by Francis Schaeffer, mm -hmm. and I'm not very far in, but he, he talks about that, you know, how does, how did that degrade? You know, like how, do, what is the... Um, is that the line of despair thing? Yes. Yes, that's absolutely fantastic. Right. And so here's what I thought was neat about, one thing I've read that I, I was sharing with my wife, like this, this is smart. He said, every new thing that comes up in theology is ultimately something that is old when it comes to philosophy, art, music, and culture. Like it's a trickle-down effect, mm -hmm. and it bleeds into. And so now I'm working through that part where he shows you know, the process of um, how did we get to humanism? You know, how did we... And he, he points out that basically every philosophy that man's ever tried is like a round, dark room with no doors. He said people grope through life looking for answers only to find out that there are no answers. That's fantastic. Um, Isn't that God. what philosophy is? Man's effort to find meaning apart from God. Yes. Mm. 
Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep. So, okay, so let, if we were to... Did you have anything you wanted nope, to add, Josh? Okay. Yeah. So if we are... If we are wanting to encourage people to have a high view of God, that's going to feel very abstract if they're driving on yes. the way to work, right? Yes. So how do we, where would you tell, where would you begin this conversation? Well, now, what we're saying could be cliche. And what I mean by that is, and, and you guys know how this works, sometimes cliches become associated with groups and movements. It is common for Calvinistic evangelicals to use these, this phrase, high view of God, high view of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to say this, and you guys can edit this if this rankles, but um, if something is obviously true and sound and good, but we must avoid it because somebody else said it first that we might find objectionable on some level, I, I would think that would be a misguided kind of separation. You understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So our, our brethren that we we know are believers that love God that are not exactly striped the way we are, we appreciate that they have their appealing for a high view of God and a high view of Scripture, and we agree with that. So let's say that. So to answer your question, the high view of Scripture goes with the high view of God because we don't know God apart from the scripture. Yes. I mean, it's just that black and white. Yes. And so we one of the fundamental components of basic theology is coming to this conclusion that while God may be known, he cannot be comprehended, right? He is incomprehensible. But he can be known, and the scripture is very clear about that, and the way we know him is through revelation. He's revealed himself to us, right? So I would say that's where it starts, and that's the whole problem, is our culture, which Brother Wiley refers to, and begins with how our culture is so far from God, and people have these concepts of God that are unscriptural, it's because they don't believe in the authority of the Scripture. They don't believe that it is the source of knowledge, their knowledge of God. So they do the best they can, and they say, well, if I'm going to believe in God and I like the man upstairs, and and to me, a good person is nice and forgiving. And even if you disagree, and and so see how that thing just trickles into this humanistic thing yes. that makes God into this affable, anything goes kind of grandpa figure. So, if we're defining humanism, though, for for someone listening, we're talking about uh, finding truth. Giant air quotes mm-hmm. from within. Right, right. Every, and those sentences that you all the, the sentences that you just said, every one of them began with I or what I think or what yes. I deduce. Yep. Right, so the the standard of truth becomes myself, yes, and not something outside of myself, yes. And in a high view of Scripture, you're searching for truth outside of yourself. You're subjecting yourself to an authority greater than yourself, which is God as revealed through His Word. Absolutely. Okay. You so know, I, we as we as humans, you know. <clears throat> Many times the things of the Word of God are explained away because there's not a natural um, – we're, we're trying to explain supernatural things with natural uh, evidences, so to speak. If I, if I can't see it naturally, then it can't be. Yes. Uh, so – And that is the – that's one of the great issues in, in uh, dealing with historical theology, apologetics, et cetera, is that issue of 
supernaturalism, right? Mm -hmm. And like in that same movement we talked to, referred to earlier, the fundamentalist movement and the struggle with liberalism, is you had this brand of Christianity that preached that social gospel and was all rooted in an effort to believe in God and these teachings in the Bible, you know, that are that are workable for the socialistic left wing effort. But they rejected the supernatural, right? They could they could not bring themselves to believe in the virgin birth, mm -hmm. for That's instance. Right. Yeah. Evolution. You know, spontaneous generation, they had no problem with that. Even though no one's ever witnessed it in the history of the world, it's not provable, right? Right. But we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good point. Yeah. Might have interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no. No, it's good. So, um, you know, many of our listeners, most of our listeners, they're not, you know, Bible theologians. I wouldn't even consider myself one. How do we... Um, do you first have to, you know, to have a high view of God? You know, I'm, I'm just trying to think of making this as practical as I can. You know, when I know that I have an issue or I, I have a problem, I first need to get my bearings, so to speak. Where am I? So does a practical listener just say, okay, let me just, as the Bible says, examine yourself. What is my view of God right now? Mm. How... How lofty of a view do I have of God? Do you first have to self-examine and say, okay, what is my view of God? And then go to the scriptures and say, okay, how do the scriptures view God? You know, I'm the businessman. We always, we always had the model, you know, what is your goal? What are the obstacles keeping you from your goal? And then point three is, how am I going to deal with those obstacles? So that's the way I, that I think. Because hmm. once I deal with my obstacles, I'm at my goal. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm very, you know, I, I don't believe in easy believism, the one, two, three, whatever. But I guess that's the way that I see things, you know. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, all my rambling there. No, yeah, I think it's, a, it's an effort to, um, to go through the conceptual development in a logical uh, sequence, right? right. And that way that you're not left with anything hanging out on the edges. But I, I, you, you, it keeps coming back to the scripture, all right? And one of the real difficulties that we face in our culture is um, develop emotion-driven ideology. Okay, so are you mysticism? Yes. Okay, so I, I was thinking we could dedicate probably a whole podcast mm. to that. To mysticism. Would, yeah, that would be fantastic. But I do think it's worth touching on because, Brother Wiley, you said, you said examine. We need to examine ourselves, right? And I would totally agree with that. But it comes, you have, we have to go back to what is the standard by which I examine myself even, Right, because if I'm not careful, I'm back in that spot where I'm examining myself by myself, yeah. which is no different than comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. So we've yeah. come we've come full circle to basically say, if I want to have a high view of God, I need a high view of Scripture. Right. Yes. You, you know what I mean? I need. Of course. I need this to be, and not what I think it is, but higher than you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, but here's what's wild. So here's what's wild. Okay, this this kind of stuff excites me because I I like getting <laughs> to the nitty gritty of these things because there's people. Like, okay, you're holding, you have a Skylar. Okay. Okay, I know that Bible costs like 200 bucks, right? Okay, thereabouts. Did you get a better deal than that? I'm not telling you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you have this Bible that you spent, um, because it's, it's quality, it's well-made, yeah. 
right? You, you love the word of God. And there are people that spend all kinds of money on a Bible, on paper mm-hmm. and ink and leather, and they equate that and, and they take it with them to church and they equate those external factors as having a high, a high view, view of, of scripture. scripture. Yes. So you have to define. But that's not. What's a high view that's of right. scripture? That's right. Take it away. <laughs> yes. You can well, have a high view of scripture and have a Dollar Tree Bible. Sure. Well, yes. Yes. I've, I've turned to Isaiah 44 because in, in my mind, and again, I, I, the way that I understand the scriptures is I, <laughs> I um, ask questions and then I answer them biblically. So my first thought is how I should view God. My first thought is how does God view himself? That's the only one that matters. How how does God view himself? Well, in Isaiah 44, um, there's just a couple verses. Isaiah 44, 6, thus Mm -hmm. saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Yes. I also like verse eight, fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. I just, I love those verses. <laughs> I literally have my Bible open at that passage. <laughs> I, I love those verses and uh, it shows how God views himself. Mm. And just like Brother Dahl said, that's the only opinion that matters. Yes. Exodus fifteen eleven. Who is likened to thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is likened to thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? So uh, A.W. Pink said, God is solitary in his excellency. I mean, there's none beside him. The English Baptist John Gill said, God only is essentially, originally, and underivatively, perfectly, and immutably holy. So that's a good place to start right there. <laughs> that's a lot n- of leaves right there. there. <laughs> <laughs> There's none like him. There's none beside him. Now, you mentioned mysticism, which is um, – I used to think it was a real struggle in the South. Uh, I'm beginning to believe that it is fairly pervasive – uh, feelings are pretty powerful, right? Yeah, Thus yeah. the old the old poem, feelings come and feelings go. Feelings are deceiving. My warrant's in the word of God, not else is worth believing. And Jim Alter says, uh, I had a feeling once, and I had an emotion once, and I didn't like the way it felt, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, there, but it's not just mysticism, but, I, you know, there's the old uh, paradigm or outline, if you will, of the competing authorities for the Word of God, it's science, philosophy, and religion, and mysticism would fall under the under would be one of the aspects of religion. All right, that would uh, shape. And we're, we're going to define what we mean by that. I know the listeners saying we've we've mentioned the word mysticism several times. Yes. And so they're, you know, they could be thinking, well, what do you mean by that? He said it when it, when he said looking within mysticism. Go ahead. Go ahead. You Jack. define it. Define sure. mysticism. I mean. All right, so the first time I heard the word used in particular by you was at youth kids camp, right, youth camp, uh, some, uh, which is, it's interesting to think about. You can go to church camp and be challenged theologically as an adult, right? That's a, That's right. a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Another it is. Another interesting thing is that you would go to youth camp and preach the Bible to kids. Yeah, right. Wow, isn't that right. crazy? Crazy idea. So, uh, so in mysticism, 
you know, a person is, they're looking for God and even answers from God and direction from God and their understanding of God from within. And often, and this is my understanding, you can correct it, um, resorting to signs, you know, mm. or feelings or um, circumstances, you know, that align. Experiences. Experiences, That's it. Yeah. right. Like the charismatic, charismatic, it's an experience-based faith. Here was my experience. Good, right. Yeah. right. So, uh, so it's it, extremely relative. And it falls in the, I know what the Bible Here's says, the word but subjective. this is what happened to me. Yes. Yeah. It's subjective. Yeah. Yeah, so I had a lady come to church, one, she's a wonderful lady, she's not a bad person, but she, she came to church and said, uh, she was kind of emotional, said, Pastor, the Lord told me he wanted us to sing some song today, you know. And of course, I didn't mind singing the song, so what did I do? I changed the, the songs I'd picked out and sang that one. Sure. So it didn't hurt her, it didn't hurt anything, but I did, being me, I said to her, well... Since I'm leading the singing and I'm the pastor, why didn't the Lord, shouldn't the Lord have told me? Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being funny, but you know, that's not to say that you can't have input from other people. Don't misread what I'm saying. But yeah, that's it. That it becomes here's the real danger with mysticism is it becomes a self authenticating uh, source of authority. You, know, oh, you don't good. know what I felt. You were not there. It's like you know when you have vertigo, which I struggle with some. You feel like the room's spinning. Mm. You know, you say, I woke up and the room was spinning. Well, do you think the room was spinning? What do you think? Was it? Well, no. No, it no. wasn't Well, how spinning. do you know? You weren't there. Sure. <laughs> right. 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 And that's, right. What, that's what they say. Right. You don't know what I felt. You don't know what I heard. It doesn't have anything to do with what you felt or heard. It has to do with what the scripture says. Well, I, I think as well, and I agree with everything that you said, um, and I think what the listener's thinking is, oh, I, I don't... It's amazing... In our independent Baptist circles, oh yes, and I'm including myself. Yes, yes. How much mysticism? What, what I mean by that is, I remember in high school, uh, I played basketball a lot, and I'm sure none of you did this, but I'd say, okay, if I make this shot, she likes me. Sure, and <laughs> I'd get that confirmation. And we do that in church where it's. Oh, this happened. This is of God. Yes. Uh, oh, I had a flat tire on the way to church. Yeah. The devil's all over me. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Or you'll hear preachers use <laughs> terms like, oh, God showed up. Well, you mean that there was a place where God wasn't? Right. I That's thought right, he right. was omnipresent. Right, 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 right. I'm not trying to be a, a stooge, but well, it's amazing how much of this we have in our Christianity. Well, part of the danger, what in you our say in there. Service. Right. Yeah. Yes. Part of the danger. There's nothing wrong with a church service that is extra emotional, and maybe all it is is an exhortation from the preacher. It needs to be scriptural, of course, but it lifts the burdens for a while. It gives hope. There's emotional response. So that's a wonderful thing if God and his word has not been dishonored. Okay. But here's the downside to thinking that the, that means God showed up right. is that there is much needed in the area of biblical teaching. Take you know uh, what I call like ordinary home cooking, meat and potatoes, growing a step at a time. A day. Ch the change in your thinking is probably the most important thing for the daily Christian life, so that you're mm. thinking correctly and behaving correctly, not how you feel, right. how you think. Which is why the Bible, you know, that's what, what it means to walk in the Spirit. That's not something experiential. That's letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Right. 
so that when you one day might have said something horrible, the next day you remember the scripture says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Right? Right. I, I just... Am I, perhaps I'm overthinking this. When, when, I, when I view how God dealt with Israel, the physical manifestation of his presence was very important to the nation of Israel, yes. whether it be the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, uh, Christ coming in the flesh, the yes, word became yes. flesh, the physical manifestation of his presence. In this church age, we want the same thing. We like oh, these yeah, yeah. physical manifestations of the presence of God, and that's, I don't believe that's how God... Or we're supposed to walk by faith. Right. Not I by, don't believe that's how sight. God operates in this age that, whoa, did you see that? Mm-hmm. How the how the clouds parted at that moment? Yeah, yeah. That was just yeah. the physical manifestation of... Well, it, isn't that why we use... And I've heard preachers preach against this, and uh, and I'm not trying to be haughty, but it, it makes me think they've read no theology. You know what I mean? And they'll, they'll say, uh, you know, they'll make fun of the idea of there being a first, second, and third person of the Trinity or the Godhead. You know, Jesus not second to anybody. Well, nobody's saying that in his deity... He is less than God the Father. What they're saying is, in the Old Testament, you have God Jehovah manifested, made known to the people first. Second comes Christ, right? Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. That's right. And now he's sent the Comforter. And so we don't have to have an emotional manifestation when we have him with us all the time. Mm -hmm. We worship God in spirit and truth, right? Which our, our brethren who, who enjoy more of the sensational manifestations, I've heard it said many times that uh, spirit in that thing means the worship, shouting, and truth means the word of God and the preaching. And I mean, that's not at all what that means. It means that now you don't have to go to a location like the city of Jerusalem to worship. That's right. We worship in spirit, meaning internally. In truth. Well, that's exactly what Jesus was teaching to the woman at the well. That's that's it. That's exactly where that, yeah. Because that's where that we worship in spirit Spirit and truth truth, comes from John John 4. She's totally focused on where. The site. Where. Which mountain you worship. Yeah, there's coming a day when that'll not happen. Funny story. And and you guys probably have no, I don't think any three of you guys have any big uh, uh, Hiles Anderson or Sword of the Lord background, do you? You're our background. You, okay. you're it, yeah. <laughs> well, I was at pastor school one year, and um, and, and pastor school is an amazing thing, especially uh, when I first went to college. But um, there was um, a sort of a patriotic theme maybe this one year, and they had a giant inflatable um, Uncle Sam. All right, in the parking lot right across from the church, and it was really cool, you know. You're, and that that was back in the days before anybody had a screen or anything like that. So Jack Hiles had this amazing flair for big things, you know what I mean, and just ideas and all that. So anyway, we had this joke, or it was sort of a snarky, smart aleck thing that guys would say, "I don't bow to Hammond," you know what I mean? I'm my own man. That's yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. trying to say. Yeah. I don't bow to Hammond. I don't bow to Chattanooga. Amen. You know what I mean, right. and and that kind of thing, or, or or Greenville, right? All these fundamentalist citadels around the country. 
And so we were coming in for the service one night, and somebody had messed up the fan, the blower. And so Uncle Sam was only partially inflated, and he was bent he, at the waist, bowing, down. bowing to First Baptist <laughs> Church. <laughs> yeah. just, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, man. And it, I feel like in these conversations, let's go back to, uh, if I may, do you guys ever push back on the in all these things? <laughs> Let me push back on one thing, and this is in love and charity, of course, and friends, friendship. You said you're not a theologian. Well, well, I would say, and I'm quoting someone else, uh, that every man is a theologian. Yeah. You know, I don't know what you mean. You're sure. not a professional scholar, right? I got that. I agree. Neither am I. But, but. A theologian is is a student of the truth of God. You know, they're they're studying God, and yeah. your your theology yeah. is either good or it's bad. It is either facilitating a faithful walk or it is hindering your walk and your and so forth. So, uh, I think that's that's a super important thing to to see and to consider. So, um, oh, I, I was going to make a point. Here it is. <laughs> it was leaving me. The um, some of our braggadocio, you know, how we 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 can be right about something, and then we make an idol out of our rightness. You know what I mean? We become haughty about it. For instance, that whole thing about you know not bowing to Hammond or not bowing to Chattanooga, and I'm my own man, and I believe in a high view of God and a high view of Scripture. Well, we've all seen these type guys that can go; they can't go to any service anywhere. And really be helped because there's something there they're gonna not like. That's right. Do you follow what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they'll sanctify it. But that's not I don't think Paul would sign off on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really don't. And so so we we're not trying to be haughty. We're trying to say that uh, you begin with a high view of God and a high view of the scripture. And if you really do that right, it should humble you. It it shouldn't Make you hot. Well, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? Yes. yes. I mean, there is that understanding. Absolutely. And when we view God properly, we will see ourselves for who, you know, the perfect biblical example of that is Isaiah 6, yes. mm-hmm. when Isaiah saw God high and lifted up and for who he was. He saw, God never said, hey, Isaiah, you're a man of unclean lips. Isaiah saw that in himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Isaiah 5, I think it's six times as he is speaking unto Israel, he says the phrase, woe unto you, woe unto you. He says that six times. But then in Isaiah 6, when he's in God's presence, he says, woe, woe unto me. me. Yeah. Woe unto me, instead of uh, he saw... So, so this is just a definition. I'm not saying it's the definition. It's an it's a definition that I have of worship is seeing God for who he is, which will then make me see myself for who I am. Yes. No, absolutely. Um, and I think the opposite, and again, I'm not trying to... Um, most often when you see the word worship used in the scriptures, it's the idea of prostrate not prostate, but <laughs> prostrate. <laughs> prostrate. <laughs> There's humility. Yes. In much of the yes. worship today, you just see much boldness. Well, it's and celebratory. Much... Right. I think what we've done too is we associate worship with praise. That's a good point. The two of them go together. Very but, well but said. But praise is when we recognize what God has done. 
Worship is when we recognize who he is. That's really good. I like that. And so every time you see praise in scripture, you know, they're singing, they're shouting, that David danced before the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and you see all of that. And it's always wrapped around, he's done this, he's done this, he's yeah. done this. None of that praise would have happened had they not been aware of who God is. Who God is. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... So it's good. So we see, we hear praise, but, but we, we always call that together. And we well, we always call it. Well, that's the worship service. Well, actually, we were praising. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because worship is when now you can't praise properly without worship. But worship is going to be again not the lifting up of hands and and shouting and dancing. It's the 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 prostrate, <laughs> almost messed up. <laughs> uh, you know, before the Lord and and well, not. not to, is, isn't worship the response of all that we are and do to all that he is? So if we try to chop this up you know, and say, well, what's worship, the song service or the preaching? Mm, Both. Mm. Uh, yeah, because yeah. hymn singing is an aspect of worship. We sing hymns because we worship God, right? Okay, yeah. We preach the word of God. And I agree with everything you said. Nothing I'm saying is different than what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we preach the word of God because it's the and it's central. It's a central feature of Christian worship, especially for the Baptist. You come into the unadorned meeting house, and there, central is the pulpit, and worship is center, and the word of God is the necessary um, uh, facilitator of worship. It shapes what mm-hmm. we believe about God, what we think about Him, and then how we respond to that. And then the worship should continue out of the meeting house into our daily lives because it's all that we are and do in response to all that God is. Um, yeah. Can I say something? Of course. You never have to ask. I know. You've never asked before. I know. So, okay. I I like word studies in scripture. And, um, you know, the four of us all agree. We believe in the you know, the King James English, you know what I mean? Like this, the text that we have in front of us is the text. And there's a word in scripture called extol. The word is extol. Um, and a lot of times it's linked with exalt. But the Bible says in Isaiah 52, verse 13, behold, my servant, now context, he's talking about Christ, shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. So right there, it lets me know that the two words are actually separate. They might have some similar characteristics. What I mean by that is exalt in Scripture is used a lot, not just, should we exalt the Lord? Yeah. Oh, yes. you know, magnify the Lord with me. Yes. Let us exalt his name together. But the Bible says if we humble ourselves, he will exalt us, which means not only can we exalt Christ, Christ can exalt us. Right. Um, the Scriptures, the first time exalt is used in the Scriptures is a man exalting himself um, the Bible mentions he exalts the kingdom, but extol, every time it's used, um, I think it's six times, every time it's only connected to God. And so not only should we exalt him, but extol is not lifting him up, you know, exalt, you know, lift up. Extol is recognizing he's already lifted. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So nowhere is he extolling us. He can exalt us. I'm thankful he lifts us up. Yeah, that, that kind of speaks to the modern idea that God needs us to do something for him. That's right. right. That's right. He's extolled. He's already there. He's lifted up whether we lift him up or not. That's right. 
And right. that's and that's what extol is. And so when it's I think really of a high view of God, that's where my brain goes to is that word extol. Mm. Sorry, I just no, 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 that's ranted great. there it, for it, a that second. Kind of a, that kind of a truth is what throws me into the sensationalism gear in a good way. <laughs> I just kind of want to go off right there. God is God, whether you recognize it or not. Amen. You know what I'm saying? That's when I'm going to start throwing stuff. You know, <laughs> That's good. You brought up a point a minute ago, Brother Josh, as well. The the two words praise, 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 and worship, and Southern and I don't praise. want to I don't want to misquote because I can't go back to the little woman over in the corner doing the uh, transcript. transcription. The, the stenographer. Yeah. Uh, yes. Could you please read? Yeah. But I believe you said, and I'm agreeing with you. I'm just I, I wanted to take it the other way as well. Okay. You you had said, uh, if I remember correctly. We cannot praise without worship, which I which I agree with. Proper, correct. Yeah. Can we worship without praise? Let's we'll just do it the other way. Okay. I'm just, I've just been pondering that hmm. since you made that statement. Can we worship without praise? And praise ought to be the ought to be the. I don't the, maybe natural is not the great greatest word, but it is the byproduct. Correct. Of, I, of worship. It is right, right. If we have properly worshiped, then we will properly praise. Yeah, right. yeah. But then I was but thinking about this. sometimes the praise comes after. Sure. Well, here's... As well. Here's what the, God has done. Well, okay. If you read Psalm 51, you see much of the praise you, will come at the end. You made a good point recently. Okay. All right. We went... I don't know if you've ever gone. I don't, anyway, I recently went to the Sight and Sound. I'm not making a, a right, plug right, for right. it. Went to the Sight and Sound Theater, and they did the production of David. And... Um, I gotta be honest. I I I thought it was fantastic. Of course, I saw the same show. This I year. thought it was. I mean, th- they they were bringing things out from scriptures that most people, when you hear David, as a most average Joe, you say David, they're gonna think Goliath, mm-hmm. and at best King, and that's it. You know what I mean? But they were bringing stuff out that they had a Dino lifting up a spear against eight hundred men. You know what I mean? That kind right, of stuff. Right. But anyway. You told me, because I was telling you about some of the music in it, I really liked it, and um, your exact words to me, if those of you that are listening, I'm pointing at Wiley, whereas our worship is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now, what he means by that is because in that production, they were, they were taking, a, I believe, a biblical approach to the way the Jewish nation worshiped, which was all by sight. It was all external. You know what I mean? David yeah. danced before the Lord. Can you yeah. imagine dancing? You're getting in a, in perilously a... close <laughs> to upsetting some sacred calves. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, using what we're talking about, though, would that be their word? Or That's that what I mean. Their praise. That's what I mean. It's like, right. are we are we in the worship? Are we in the praise? Or you know what I mean? Right. So, let me. Can I, I use think, a? Can I use I a? I like his byproduct word. You know what I mean? David dancing was the byproduct of his worship. Okay, we had a we had a lady in our church. She's in heaven now, and I will name her. You know, I, her name was Brenda Sutter, hmm. and who she lived into her seventies, fought her whole life physically. I mean, she just from like age three, children's hospitals. You know, just her whole life physically infirmed. Her whole life. She lived a long life. She did. Yeah. And she was a great example to me in church. It, it was just because when she would sing, I, I can see her do it now. She would be in church, and when she would sing, she would, she, she just did kind of this. 
and this is this is a word that's coming to my mind, gyration. That, yeah. That's not what it was. A sway with a little bit of a bop. It's just kind of a... <laughs> and I like that. Yeah. Let the music guy describe it, right? Sway yeah. with a little <laughs> bit of a bop. bop. It, it, you know, and it was incredibly appropriate. Yeah. And I'm just... And we've had people who have visited, raised their hand, you know, and tried to do all of these things. And that's the way she always sang. And so... There was someone through the years that brought that to my attention, you know, who is, you know, just perhaps grumbling in their spirit a little bit. That's the way they look at their Christianity. And they brought that up. And I, and I just said, you know, brother, this woman shouldn't even be alive. That's right. <laughs> I mean, she has fought yes. physically her whole life. Yeah. And she is... Yeah, the question is, would you want a church full of her or a church full of that donut? <laughs> no. Now, you know? again... <laughs> <laughs> There's appropriate in that the podcast. No, he said donut, he everybody. Said donut. donut. <laughs> church full of her, church full of that donut. Donut. The word used was donut. That's a Greek word. <laughs> <laughs> my, my point is, um, it just thrilled my heart to watch her sing. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I was never cl- close enough to know whether she had just a beautiful, audible singing voice. But it thrilled my heart to see her because yeah. when she sang, it was a full body yeah, that's wonderful. investment. Weird. And it's because she was praising the Lord through her infirmities. And I don't think anybody, I hope we're not, you know, I don't think anybody here suggesting, you know, we go do the moonwalk down no, the aisle. You know no, what I mean? No, that no, kind no. of stuff. Because that's what I know some no, people like to go to. But I, I would might, start, I might take it. Over some of the dead stuff I've been around. Oh, that's so, good. Okay. So I am very yeah. much an expositor, and I'm against yeah. mysticism. But I don't think that has to lead to, to misery, which I think is what he's saying. Right. You know? I would, yeah. I would yeah. start with people smiling. That no, would no. be great. But let's well, start you guys with, remember, with that. You remember the great story of the strict, staid, particular Baptists of the North being uh, concerned about the separate Baptists and some of their practices and the irregularities and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so they sent um, a group, dispatched, I guess you could say, a group of, of observers to go down. One of them was Benjamin Miller, I think, and, and John Ganneau. And they traveled down to the south and, and fellowshiped with and preached with some of the separate Baptists. And uh, people expected them to go home with criticisms and complaints and and they went back and said well we could use more of their spirit mm-hmm. and um i i don't i the person that is bothered by someone else being free in some of their expressions unburdening themselves may be as big a problem as the person unburdening themselves <laughs> or whatever so i'm sound like i'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth i don't know how you can worship the lord without emotion being involved. Mm. Now, everybody is not wired the same way. I'm obviously way more emotionally expressive than, uh, well, maybe Brother Wiley. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, so I, I guess what we're saying is don't run it in the ditch, right? In, in, yeah, it is the ditch thing. It is. The ditch thing is the problem all the time. You know, um, as a response to something you don't like, you veer off on the other side mm-hmm. and think, you know, that's the best course. But yep. it's it's a crowned road. Yeah, yeah. it's a crowned road. Yeah, as and... We're sitting around this this literal round table, the four of us. Two two of us grew up in the South. 
two of us actually Chad and I grew up in the same church. Yeah. Where not the same time. It, Chad, did you yeah, go to the same a while. time? Did you go to Pensacola? Yeah, I did. Yes. So we got it, three we had, three Pensacolas. So we have the Bob Jones Pensacola thing here, which just exas I'm not saying anything negative about them, I'm just talking about their style. It's a variable. It, it would yeah. exacerbate yeah, yeah. the you know, you know. Well, I'm just yeah. saying Chad and I grew up in a church where if someone said amen, right. people turned around. Right. right. Okay. And it was it was an interruption to our worship. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a church of very faithful people. I believe they were saved. Should we play the Eric Ness recording? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, have it. Um, so that just gives you the background of Chad and I in that, okay, that's, that's how we grew up. Mm-hmm. No expression. Mm. Um, my pastor always, when it came to music, um, he had this saying, uh, the, the song should reach your heart, it shouldn't reach your toe. Yeah. He said that all the time. Yeah, As if they're ex- mutually exclusive. <laughs> right, right, right. And we would say where I come from, it didn't reach your heart if, if it, it didn't, didn't reach, reach your heart. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So we're, we're coming from different perspectives. I mean, the hymn book in the church where Chad and I grew up, there were several songs pasted over right. because they were just... And the, anything Bill Gaither was wicked, it was covered over in the book. We we never sang yeah. because he lives. That was just a wicked song, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. So that was the but way. But for it some, was. for for some, those things become like grounds of their separation. Correct. It's like speaking in tongues. It's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. How separated I am. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's kind of where Chad and I grew up, and then Josh and Dahl, you grew up in the South where <laughs> it was. You know, my wife grew up in the tent meetings, and you know, oh, Billy Kelly was would, in town. Someone I'm going would to go come here, up you know? and pick up the preacher and <laughs> carry well, him should. around yeah. as he's preaching. It's just that's what she grew up in. So, uh, so there are different cultures, and you just absolutely, you know? yeah. Well, back to this again. I feel like we can some everything. Sometimes we make things sequential when they're not sequential, like Spurgeon talked about the components of salvation, right? Faith, regeneration, repentance, etc. And people sometimes can, again, to use the analogy, can run the thing in the ditch trying to figure out which comes first, the chicken or the egg. And Spurgeon said they're like spokes on a wheel. When the wheel turns, God's working and moving in ways that are are difficult to discern. Mm -hmm. With this thing, worship, I, I don't think we start with worship and then it moves to preaching and then it moves to singing and then preaching and then praise I, I feel like all those things are essential expressions oh, good. of worship all right and um, it would be sort of like you know if you're gonna have if you're gonna play good football you have to start with intelligence right in today's game it's a very complicated game and if you have to overthink things you're already beat right? Then you must have execution. It, it's not you, you can't just be a good athlete. You can't just be intelligent and know what your job is. You have to be able to do it, right? Mm. And then comes the violence, all right? If you've got a team that is athletic and they're smart, they're in the right position, in the right play, and then they're able to execute because they have the technique down and they're able to do it with force and create turnovers, now you got one of those teams that's hard to beat. And I feel like, all those things are a composite expression of good football, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so singing, doctrinal expression, even our singing, 
in, includes that, right? S- teaching, uh, uh, what is the, the Colossians passage that talks about teaching one another in Psalms and Psalms hymns? And hymns yep. Yeah. So your Psalms and hymns should be teaching. And so all of that stuff should be an expression of genuine worship. I think a component of the lack of biblical worship today is the lack of the observance of the Word of God. That's what I... There's no question about it. Well, you look at the example we've been using, David danced before the ark. Well, what happened the first time? He was wanting to bring the same ark to the same city, but he did not observe the Word of God. He refused the Word of God. Well, it's clear the second time the Bible says that he observed the Word of God. So the dancing came after the observation and the elevation of the Word of God. Uh, That's the only difference. If you look at uh, the first time that David tried to bring the ark, he did it the same way the Philistines did. Yeah. The Philistines, when they captured the ark, they took it in a cart. They had milch kind, the Bible says, you know, cattle, just like David did. He did everything the same way the Philistines did. Um, and God judged for it. But then when he observed the word of God, you don't do it as you see, you don't do it as, uh, as you have seen, you do it as I have told you. Mm. And so he elevated the word of God and then came the praise. So then I was made full circle, but come full circle to, ele- to a high view of God is, uh, is shaped and informed by a high view of Scripture. That's, Correct. That's the whole thing. And by the way, that's I, a good. That, yeah, David elevated with, the Word of God. Yes. Once he got, he understood that. Then everything then fell into place. Then the praise that's right. came. That's good. And I, I appreciate the fact that while all of us would, I'm sure, I know that I am, would be um, decided opponents um, of mysticism. We've also admitted, recognized that there's an emotional component to worship. Of course there is. And I think the key to – there's a humility in not assuming that everything that I'm feeling and everything that's happening to me is God doing it. Now, I I understand – there's so much Bible that you have to comb through to get this stuff right. And people say, there's no, there's no, nothing happens by accident. Well, then why does the Bible say time and chance happen, happen to all. them all? What does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, to for me as a pastor to assume that every impulse is from God, every th- good idea that I have is God telling me to do it, then I am binding people and their conscience and their finances to throw in behind every idea I have because I'm God's man, to me that's a bridge too far. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it, and the and the key factor to all of this, to us not overplaying our hand as pastors, to not uh, turning the church service into a circus, the key to every bit of it is the Word of God. I think it is, and the expression, "Well, God told me." So God told you something that he didn't tell everyone else? That's revelation. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. God, right, right, God, right, right. Told, God told me to do this. You better be careful about doing that because why would God tell you and not everyone? Not everyone else. So you're, you're claiming revelation of God. And so I'm just very I, – I understand the word of God impresses – you know, God speaks to us through his word. That's how he, that's right. that's how he does it in this age. Absolutely. I, I'm just, Absolutely. I've just started preaching through Hebrews and the first thing 
Hebrews 1.1, he talks about how God used to speak to his people by the prophet. But now in these last days, I speak to you through my son. Then in verse number four, and we're still in that now, God would speak to them by the angels. You know, an angel announced his birth, Mm -hmm. an angel announced his resurrection, an angel spoke to the men at the ascension. Well, God doesn't speak that way in his, in this, he will again in the next dispensation, but that's not how he speaks to us today. He speaks to us through his word. So... This mystif- manifested his word right, for preaching. This, the Bible says in Romans 1, everything that can be known of God has already been made manifest. Mm-hmm. In this age, everything has been made manifest. Good. It's yeah. already been given to us. So to declare this extra revelation from God, just, you know. Can I, ask a, can I ask a crazy question? It may be you guys, you know, Dalt, James, and even Josh, you probably would have more information on this than I would or more perspective but I'm thinking about, you know, we all would hold to uh, the primacy of preaching and the importance, right, that, that God has manifested his word through preaching. I wonder sometimes, are there any examples historically of churches or a church where their hymn singing actually followed the preaching? You know what I'm saying? Like for for very practical reasons when it comes to worship, right? If if it's if God speaks to us by His Word, then is it? And this is a, just a thought experiment. Would it be more appropriate for us to hear from Him from His Word before we say anything to Him in praise? You know what I mean? Gosh, I know it's kind of backward, but we are started our services about two years ago. We start every service now. Uh, you know. I don't do it anymore. I have a man in our church that does it now, but he'll, you know, welcome Truth Baptist Church, open your Bibles too. All right, so give attendance to read. So the first thing we do is read a passage. And Everybody we, stands up, we read the passage of Scripture, cool. yeah, and then we he'll pray, and then we'll sing a song. We have Scripture reading. So the first thing that we our, do is Scripture reading. Because right. I, 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 I told the church, I said, because I think God needs to talk first. Yeah. You know, let, let him speak first. It's just a bummer. Like, if I can use that, it's a bummer for, you know, our hymn singing time to be treated, and you can't make everybody treat it like they ought to, but as, as you know, that, that time before the preaching where if I come in a little late, no big deal, you know, we're just kind of getting, we're getting ready for the preaching. Well, that seems but, wrong. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it is wrong. I'll tell you something that we're doing to try to combat that. I won't go into all of our struggles. Uh, you know, it's not necessary, but um, we are having a portion of the beginning of the service that I am recognizing as we're just warming up. This ain't it. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I'm not fighting against the inevitable. So the songs are lighter. There's nothing wrong with them. Psalms, hymns, and what? Spiritual, Spiritual songs. songs. Yeah. They're lighter songs. They're songs that, that, that Southern culture is going to recognize and appreciate that we enjoy singing and playing, warm it up, get everybody going, and we move through the service to a place where we have, and I'm also trying to be brief, which, you know, I'm just trying to do that because I like to hear myself talk too much, you know what I mean? <laughs> and and so we move through that, and we get to the point in the service where we stand and have a responsive scripture reading from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then we sing what I call a hymn of worship. 
Now, I'm not saying the other things we're doing haven't been some aspect and, of worship, yeah, yeah. but we and we're trying to do the old hymns, you know, that we from the new song, new hymn book. You know, we don't have the hymn book, but I'll dig them out. There's there, and a lot of times I'll have a hymn of the month, so I'm teaching them these great, meaningful hymns that people don't know anymore. A lot of the reason they check out is because they're singing a song they have sung 800,000 times. And the meaning is kind of that's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we were on the tour one time, and we, we were somebody was leading a song, and and uh, <laughs> our, our our wonderful friend Jim Alter said to me, "I don't ever have to hear that song again." <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't saying it wasn't a great song; it's just one that we've sung. You, you oh, go we to, wear out. It's songs. one of those that you go to every meeting, and somebody sings it as a special. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, man. I really want the worship to be meaningful. Uh, in the South, worship, I've got a friend down there that has, he, I bet he's memorized every song in that church hymnal from Cleveland, Tennessee. Mm. I love that hymn book. The, I red, love the, red, the, red, the red book, hymnal. that's right. right. And uh, so he is super good on his feet, and he has a musical gift, and so he just... The idea of writing down an order of service before the service starts to him, you might as well be a Roman Catholic. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so church starts, he's got great musicians, great choir, and I mean, it is pulsating with Holy Ghost fervor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, and, and I am not making fun of that. It is, it's good. They're good at it. Yeah. He's good at it. He, he can grab those songs out of the air with everything that he senses. And so the service goes up, 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 up. And then in comes the preacher, rip and hide. So, yeah, you're going to have an effect in that service. It's going to be different. And, and when it works, it makes you want to do it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the other hand, the church my wife's family went to when we got, first got married would do something that was almost like the opposite of that. Okay, they had this thing they called a call to worship plugged into the middle of the service, and it was contemplative. And people would pray quietly. Nobody's leading them in prayer. There's quiet music playing, and they're literally getting their brains plugged into worship and their heart and humbling themselves. And I think both of those are good things. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with coming into church and celebrating victory in Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with saying I've got to humble myself before God. Mm. So so I'm a mutt and try to do both in every service, which is why you know, we're failing miserably. But anyway, anyway, that's just some that's some rambling, but I do believe if you don't have a high view of God and a high view of scripture, neither one of those approaches is going to be effective. That's right. But if you do, you might be surprised sure. how well someone else's way can oh, work. That's good. Oh, yeah. We don't um we don't have a worship leader at Churchill Baptist. I know none of you do either. Yeah. And the primary reason that we don't, it's not because we can't. Well, I do believe it's because we can't. Um, it's not because what the worship leader, you know, that, that term and, you know, I look at negatively, it's not because of what they do. It's because that very term, in my mind, you're taking the place of God. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is our worship leader. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to be mystical. Christ said in the Word that He is going to teach you of me, 
and he's going to guide us in all, all truth. truth. And so I believe that the spirit of God is what is going to lead us in worship, and he is always going to point us to his word. That's what he's going to do. Now, we sing songs, of course, which point us to the word, which teach us of him. But to me, the very term worship leader, that is not any man's job. Right. I agree with is that. Is to yeah. lead people in worship. That's... But tell me if you guys... That's what Nebuchadnezzar did mm. in Daniel... Mm. What is it? Daniel 2. Daniel 2. Or Daniel da- 3. Daniel 3. Yeah. He led them in worship. And I'm just... Uh, this is where you get into a fun discussion of, of you know, when it comes to someone's... Uh, an individual church's practice, right? Because you can reject a term, worship leader, because of what it connotates, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But practically speaking, we can call it a song leader, and he's doing he's the, doing same, the thing, same thing, right? Yeah. So, so we would reject something like, now I say we, I'm speaking of a generic we, not necessarily mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. would reject perhaps a worship team, right? But probably in 20 years, the same people that reject it right now. Right, right. We'll have something, the same thing well, with a different name. All a worship team is is an ensemble. Sure. It's right. terminology. It's a it's, smaller choir. Yes. That, that can actually sing. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, they've all got mics. And so, um, you know, just for the record, I, I, I want the old way. I love the hymn singing mm-hmm. and the preaching and the stripped down service where the word of God becomes central. I do. I, I, that's where I'm at. But I also enjoy some. You know, I'm trying to reach my community, and um, I'm not going to try to pretend, try to turn it into an you know 18th century church. I'm, I'm not going to do that. So with with you know what you're saying there, um, we when we went through we went through COVID and we lost a, a beloved song leader and choir director, wonderful guy, and. So and then so then you know what happens though some of those outliers stop coming you know how that works so our church is not weak but numerically it's not where it was and we've gone through this change without our choir leader and all that so you know I can put three ladies by the piano behind a microphone and it's an effect that absolutely changes the the, the congregational singing it just mm-hmm. changes everything now if that's Worldly and sensational. I, I don't know. I don't think it is. Uh, it's almost like it, it, you know, it's like running the vacuum cleaner, right? It's like that. You know, we use a sound system. We run air conditioning. Sometimes that's a better way to do something, so the effect is better. And then we get addicted to the effect, and we can't stop doing things to. You see what I'm saying? I get it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, yeah. It, well, we have liberty. You have the liberty to do it right. Parkway. That's right. You know? Right. That's right. Yes. I, I, I'll say one more thing along those lines. I had a, I, I tweeted something once that was a little bit out of character for where my head's at these days, and it sounded like I was throwing in behind some of the hyper-practical, easy-believism approach to things, Right. And I kind of was, but I, but I don't believe in that. I mean, I believe in going after sinners, and I believe in evangelism. I believe you can win a soul anywhere if they're care, you know, caring about the truth. You know how that goes. Hmm. But I tweeted something that sounded like I was back in the play of, of some of the more unsavory approaches, all right? And uh, so one of my buddies pushed back, and this particular friend is a, 
uh, an avowed five-point Calvinist. All right, so much it's so that he kind of has a bone in his throat with Andrew Fuller. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Andrew Fuller wasn't Calvinistic enough for him. So it's funny. Well, this guy's a really good guy. We obviously don't agree. He's a wonderful guy and a great friend. And he asked me about it. He pushed back. And I said, look, man, all I know to tell you is this. When I do something and try to reach people, we do better. Yeah. When I don't, we don't. Yeah. And his response was, I got you right on. You know what I mean, and so I don't, you know, and that—that's kind of my, um, you know, I've enjoyed this week with Todd Bell, and um, you know, Todd Bell is a promoter. He's always doing something. You guys know him better than I do, and I've joked to several people. I, I need to go home and get back into the ministry, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so. I'm going to keep preaching the Bible, but I'd like to get some fresh faces there to preach it to. And uh, I've tried every way possible to, this is really off the subject, but I've tried every way possible to try to build a church without having to work at it. So, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I guess I'm going to have to do it the old way. (laughs) Well, I've enjoyed this discussion. I've learned from it, and I hope that you have as well. How are we doing? We... We about that time where we need about to, that time I about think that so. time. Well, this has been a great discussion. Uh, thank you, Brother Dalt, for bringing that up, and uh, hope that you have been helped by it. Uh, just appreciate you very much. Well, that's all we have time for today. We'll be joining you again real soon. Thank you for listening to Backwoods Theology.